This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Okay, go with me to the club or a bar for the moment. All the prep work has been done. You've gotten dressed, you put on your makeup, everything's done. You finally get there. After waiting in long lines, you finally get inside. And you notice that the floor is a little sticky from all the spilled drinks, that the bathroom is a disaster, the toilets are clogged, and so forth and so forth. So, you continue on and you battle on through. I could continue, but I'm going to just fast forward to the next day. You wake up the next morning with the worst headache ever. Your feet and legs are sore. Everything is just awful and you feel awful. But then your phone rings. You answer the phone. The person on the other end says, how was your night? And your response was, I had the best night ever. We danced the night away. I had a great time. But how is that possible when there's so many obvious issues? It's called marketing. You see, the promoter is riding on your deep desire to attend, along with the image of a good time, the illusion that you might meet your Prince Charming and live happily ever after. This is done mostly because most people who attend nightclubs, they don't care about what it looks like inside, as long as they can get a temporary fix of acceptance and fulfillment, even if it only lasts for a few hours. Well, much like the nightclub, I notice a trend when talking about abortion in America. If you listen to those who are in favor of abortion, you hear all the glamorous marketing. Things like, it's my body, so is my choice. A woman should have the right to choose. A baby isn't a human until it can live outside the mother's womb. Why would you bring a child into poverty? So on and so on. It sends a message that death is somehow a better option than life, even if it means that you're born into struggle or challenges. You see, pro-choice talking points are just that, they're talking points. Even more than that, it's marketing. They don't give you the full picture or trust that you can make a decision for yourself. Before I'm accused of spewing Republican talking points, it's important to note that, you know, guilting someone into having a baby is no way to support a pro-life stance either. Because more than having healthy babies, we need to have healthy mothers. Being pro-life or pro-choice wasn't a decision I made based off of talking points. I'm pro-life because I review the good, the bad, and the ugly on the issue. And I base my decision based on facts, primarily those that are hidden. But what are these hidden facts? Well, let's start here. So it's often said by the left, or those who are pro-choice, that 60% of America believe that Roe v. Wade should be supported. Well, that's concerning because several of those people also think that abortion is constitutional and they think that they're constitutionalists. But it's not a constitutional right to abort your child. There's no mention of abortion in the Constitution and in the Constitution and adding it under the right to privacy, although the word privacy isn't written in the Constitution, is not correct either because having an abortion isn't a private matter at all. There are several people involved, and in most cases, you're using money from the public to pay for it. It's called taxes. Between 2016 and 2018, 
pro-abortion groups receive nearly $2 billion in taxpayer dollars. I mean, that's $2 billion over the course of three years. So I hate to bust your bubble, but no, an abortion does not cost a few hundred bucks. When pro-choice advocates say that overturning Roe v. Wade is an attack on female reproduction, we find another era because abortion is termination. It's not reproduction. Abortion has nothing to do with reproduction. It's actually the antithesis of reproduction. And here's another one. Pro-choice advocates love outliers when using data. They say things like, what about those who were raped or forced to carry a child? Well, this horrific experience affects one out of five women. And in the U.S., rape makes up about less than 5% of all abortions being performed. So we're talking about around 95% of abortions are due to inconvenient timing of the pregnancy. Last time I checked, making a law that supports 5% of those affected by the issue is not how the policy works. It's not how policy works at all, in fact. And then here's my favorite, Old Faithful. It's my body, it's my choice. Ugh. Well, I hate to burst your bubble again, but a baby is no more your body than an incubator is to a premature infant. And oh, you have more choices than ever. Given the fact that we have over 500 forms of contraceptive that's available to each and every person that's willing to take it. The truth is, abortion has cast a dark shadow over our country since the passing of Roe v. Wade in 1973. Tracking the dark statistics of abortion is one thing, but what's most sinister is the fact that there's so many issues that are not being discussed. There's information that has been hidden and tucked away and hoping that you'll, you'll never see the light of day. Well, I'm turning on the light. So let's go. Let's talk about those things for a little bit. There has been over 60 million abortions performed between 1973 and 2020. That's about a sixth of our population, not including chemical abortions, which is the abortion pill. Chemical abortions, however, has caused these numbers to raise drastically, making up about 14 million abortions in the United States every year. This information is according to the Guttmacher Institute, which is an independent research study in the arm of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. So I'm getting it from them. Democrats market abortion as an outlet for low-income moms who are not ready. This tactic has been detrimental to minority communities, particularly the black community. According to the CDC, around 38% of abortions are done on non-Hispanic black mothers. Keep in mind... The black community makes up about 13% of the population. So that means we make up about 38% of abortions. That's over 130,000 of the 150,000 surgical abortions each year. That's not even including the chemical abortions, which will make it appear much higher. Women that have an abortion are three times more likely to commit suicide than within their peer group. Teen girls are up to 10 times more likely to attempt suicide than their counterparts who have not had an abortion. Two in three women who have had late abortions, which means they've had abortion after 12 weeks, suffer from clinical the clinical definition of PTSD. And here's the one that really sits with me. And I think this is the this is the the, the statistic that really keeps me up at night. Is that 40% of women wanted to keep their children? but they felt the pressures of others that were telling them that they can't afford it, you won't be a good mom, and just everything that you don't need to hear when you are extremely terrified. Okay. Lastly, but certainly not all, 
Women who have had abortion are 34% more likely to develop an anxiety disorder, which is pretty common, right? To be clear, this is not spewing personal positions. This is about telling the truth. Determining whether a baby's life has value or not, or when does life begin, is not something you can legislate. Because believing if a baby is real or not outside of the womb or in the womb is outside the purview of politics. It sounds like it's something that only God can determine. This is about freedom. The freedom, the true freedom to choose. The freedom to vote with all the information, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You see, pro-choice advocates who hide the bad and the ugly are no different than the marketing crew who will show you the outside of a club or a bar, hoping that your personal challenges will drive you to the visit. And if that's the case, then they don't, they'll never have to show you the nasty that's inside. Let's advocate for healthy women, which make healthy moms. I want to ensure that we have more conversations around having strong families and environments that are conducive to bring life into. And the only way that we can do that is we tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Today I'm joined with Suzanne Guy. Other than being my very, very, very special friend. Back at you. Love her. (laughs) She's a staunch pro-life advocate who's been actively involved in the movement in many different facets. She's the founder and president of Life Initiatives and Values, a pro-life ministry at First Baptist Woodstock Church in Georgia. Suzanne's been interviewed on many media outlets, talking about the value of life, and a feature speaker at major pro-life events, during which she shares her inspirational story of refusing to abort her baby girl, my friend, sweet Rachel, despite an adverse prenatal diagnosis. Suzanne is also counseled at the Pregnancy Resource Center, taught abstinence-based curriculum and public high schools, serves on the board of the Frontline Policy Council of Georgia, an organization that fights for the passage of pro-life legislation. Suzanne and her husband, Peter, have been married for 32 years. I have to bring you back to talk about marriage and (laughs) delight in supporting Rachel, who is very actively involved in the pro-life movement as well. Hi, Suzanne. Let's talk. It is a privilege to be with you. And thank you so much for this opportunity (laughs) with you. And I would love to come back and talk about marriage. (laughs) Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Because 32 years is a good, that's a good run. (laughs) I think it is. You're doing, you're you're on track. (laughs) I'll tell you, you and Kelvin are a beautiful example of marriage. So thank you. I appreciate that. So can you just start by telling me your personal story and why being pro-life and being such a pro-life advocate is important to you? You know, I um, will say that my daughter's journey really 
had the biggest impact, but I will rewind just a little bit farther back just to say, when I was in college, if you would have asked me, I would have said that I was pro-abortion, pro-choice. And honestly, it was um, a powerful encounter with Jesus when I gave my life to him. And he had a lot of things that he could convict me over, but really front and center, he said, Suzanne, you think you're loving women well with that kind of heart posture mm-hmm. toward abortion, but you're not. And you're you're not including in the narrative that precious child made in my image. So that would forever change my trajectory and my whole posture and attitude toward abortion and the life issue then changed because I really saw so clearly the humanity of that child made in the image of God, but also mm-hmm. saw what a disservice and what a tragedy was to women and men. But then truly um, on our journey with our sweet Rachel, um, many years of painful infertility to anybody listening, God sees you and he cares. It's mm-hmm. a very painful journey. Yeah. And um, But one day around six years later after marriage, um, went to the the store, got that pregnancy test, not expecting (laughs) to see any lines, saw those lines and um, was just thrilled to know Mm. that we we had a child. But into that journey, we ran into some trouble where at one point half my amniotic fluid was gone. There was no explanation. Then all of it was gone. They said to me that it was a chromosomal abnormality not compatible with life that would endanger my life and that our child would have no hope of living and went on a litany of all these different things that would be wrong with her. Mm -hmm. But Janelle, Mm -hmm. it was truly for me that velvet brick to the head because Mm. my husband and I were absolutely stunned that people in the medical field, people that we thought took an oath to do no harm, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, just because of the location of our child Mm. and because she had some sort of issue, condition, whatever it was in the womb, it didn't Mm -hmm. end up being um, a a chromosomal abnormality. But Mm. even if it was, Mm -hmm. here we were trying to convince doctors that our child was not all of a sudden disposable, that Mm. our child did not lose her value. And that was the real wake-up call to me that, oh, my word, even doctors tell parents Mm -hmm. at their most vulnerable moment hearing news that their child is somehow in danger. And they say that healthcare is to end the life of that child. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. that's not all doctors, but I will tell you, (laughs) she's 24 now. And Mm -hmm. over the last 24 years, I've heard more and more stories of doctors. Yes. That tell parents to end the life of their child. Abortion is not health care. And that was what really brought me to my knees before God saying, I will do anything for anybody Mm -hmm. to help out Mm -hmm. advancing the cause of life. And please forgive me Mm -hmm. that up until that point, I had not, Mm -hmm. I had changed my voting habits, thank goodness. And that's Mm -hmm. an important thing. But up Mm -hmm. until that point, I had Mm -hmm. not fully engaged. And it was her life that made me realize Moms Mm -hmm. need help and love. And what my mom gave to me, Mm -hmm. which was that kind, compassionate, we never intended to abort. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a crisis situation, even if you're not going to abort, you need that voice of hope. And my mom was that. Mm -hmm. And I said, the power of one. Dear God, whatever it takes, I want to love on these precious moms and unplanned, unwanted and or crisis pregnancies to show them there is hope and no one ever regrets choosing and fighting for all 
life. Man, that's about, okay. So this obviously you can hear now why I wanted to have this conversation with Suzanne. You're so sweet. <laughs> um, it's such a powerful story because you could have been a part of that 40 percent. Absolutely. Right. That was being encouraged to do this. And, it, and, and when I hear cause see, and this is the thing that's that's really frustrating as I'm listening to the talking points that's coming out around this subject is that they're putting women up that are having medical issues. Yes. Right. They're not interviewing women who just feel like this is an inconvenient time. They're interviewing Truth. women who are having medical issues and saying, well, if I didn't have this then I would have died. And and I'm just like, you know, there are so many women who push through and they have their babies. My mom is an example of that. You know, my, my dad told me that when my brother was being born, the doctor came in and said, you're going to have to choose one. And my dad said that he found a chapel um, and he went and he sat down and he talked to God and he said, I'm not choosing between my child and my wife. You decide. And he prayed and he walked back in that, in that, at that hospital room and my mom gave birth to my brother. And so, and both what? of them were fine. Story. Both the, yes. And then my mom says with that same pregnancy that when she found out she was pregnant because she was so young, she was 20. They had gotten married. My dad was 21. She's 20. And she said that she saw this building that said Planned Parenting. So she mm. thought, let me go in here and, and get some information. I'm going to be a first time mom. She goes and she sits down. She said, I didn't really pay attention to the pictures on the wall until they started talking to me. And then they said things like, well, you know, you don't have to go through this if you don't want to. And they started encouraging her. And she said, I was so terrified. I got up and I ran. She said, I felt like they were going to snatch my baby from me. And I and she said, I felt God this feeling mother. and I got up and I ran out. Right. But then she said, why are you calling it planned parenting? If you're not planning on parenting anyone. That's right. <laughs> it's so deceptive. Your mom was courageous. Yeah. Your oh, yeah. mom was courageous because yes. usually once they have you there, it's mm -hmm. so intimidating. Yeah. And she and she had no intention of having an abortion. But, but, the but name, they were telling her, yeah, it, the name. It's so deceptive. It is. It has nothing to do with planning parenthood. No. It has everything to do with destroying parenthood. Right. Yes. You know what? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the emotional impact of abortion. You've worked with, I'm sorry, sorry I, I'm sure several women, number of women, um, who's either had abortion or considering it. Yes. What, what do you think of when you think of the emotional impact of abortion? I think, and I am so thankful that you are talking about this, Janelle, and specifically <laughs> honing in on this, because mm -hmm. this is something that is seldom, mm -hmm. seldom yeah. talked about, and it is mm -hmm. such a real reality. Over the last many years, I have spent mm -hmm. so much time mm -hmm. with women mm -hmm. considering abortions, women who have had abortions, dear friends who have had abortions. Mm -hmm. The trauma can in no way be minimized. Mm -hmm. It is monumental. So mm -hmm. much so yeah. that many of these precious women who have had an abortion experience mm -hmm. have started organizations all over our great state mm. of Georgia and all over the country because it is such a serious trauma that they are trying to make a space for women to come mm -hmm. to have a place to process, to get hope, to get healing because abortion 
harms women and on such an instrumental level that we do not hear the people on the pro-abortion side talking about, and it must be talked about. I have had countless, Mm -hmm. countless um, conversations with women, one in particular, I I will not say names, Mm -hmm. precious young woman that I was blessed to meet with Mm -hmm. who felt like she had no choice but to have an abortion because her boyfriend, you talked about Mm -hmm. this at the beginning, Mm -hmm. her boyfriend was really pressuring her. And we had a fantastic conversation. Mm -hmm. And she didn't even realize there are so many phenomenal support systems Mm -hmm. and resources out there. Mm -hmm. But when we were done with our conversation, she went back out to her boyfriend who continued to hammer her. I'm not saying this is always the case. Many men yeah. are devastated yeah. when they're girlfriends. But it does happen mm-hmm. a lot. A lot of times yeah. it's a mom pressuring a dad, yes. a boyfriend. And mm-hmm. um, afterwards, she went silent on me. But I kept mm-hmm. reaching out to her saying, mm-hmm. you know, I love you. I'm here for you. And finally, I said, I'm guessing you might have had the abortion is that why you're avoiding me? And would you please know mm-hmm. that I love you and I'm still here for you no yes. matter what? And mm-hmm. she came back and we connected. Mm-hmm. And with tears, she sobbed and said, I wish there was a way that you could have just, you know, yeah. walked, stayed with me the mm-hmm. entire time. Mm-hmm. Because she said, once we separated, my boyfriend's voice was the loudest voice. And he just kept telling me all wow. these reasons. Mm-hmm. And She struggled. She Mm. was devastated. Mm. She was able to get hope and healing through one of these amazing post-abortion healing groups. Mm. But I will never forget the Mm -hmm. things that she said to me, Mm -hmm. the sounds that she heard, Mm. the terror that she felt. And she said when Mm. she was there, she was rethinking it. And she was saying to the people at the abortion clinic, I don't think I can do this. Mm -hmm. But she said the pressure that they put on her, you're here now. And they literally said to her, well, you're young. You want to be able to go back to your party life, which she was not even a party type of girl. (laughs) So the pressure is enormous Mm -hmm. and women for for a side that mm-hmm. says, hey, we love women. No, they do not love women. Because no. if you loved women, you would tell them the truth. You would tell them mm-hmm. that women ache over and yes. regret their abortions. But the good news is there's hope and there's healing and there are fantastic groups to help and people mm-hmm. that love them. And I do want to also say mm-hmm. when women are wrestling with that decision and they are feeling pressured, there are many people Mm -hmm. that want to journey with them to be that voice of hope and compassion because no one ever regrets choosing Mm -hmm. life. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. What a wonderful story. Um, You know, there's when we we talk about supporting women during this time, I find it interesting that there aren't any pro-choice organizations that help women correct during this. Every organization out there is typically started by, and I'm going to say typically because I haven't met everyone, but I'm, I feel pretty confident. It's pretty, typically started by pro-life advocates. Truth. So not only do we advocate for the life of the child, but we're advocating for the life of the mother. We, we want her to be whole. Yes. Right? And I mean, I don't think we talk about that enough. A whole woman makes a whole mother. Yes. Right? And then you won't have all these other issues. Um, So, uh, yeah, okay. I love this. I love having this conversation because it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding back the emotion because 
I, I'm a firm believer that women need to understand that you can do it. Yes, women are strong. Yes, we God are. made us strong. Even if you don't believe yeah. in God, women are strong. Yes. He made us that way. You know, um, when you, when I think about this, I, I think of a, a girl I was mentoring, and she told me she was pregnant. And I, I said to her, I said, well, you know, I'm pro-life. And I said, where are you? Because I didn't want to assume. And she says, well, I'm pro-life. However, like like the woman that you were speaking of, her parents, as well as the, the, the baby father's parents, oh, as no. well as the baby father, I was the only voice at the time that the was hope. saying, you can keep your baby, right? And I mean, she had one per. I was that one person. And then I brought in, I brought in my husband's mom because she uh, was 15 when she had Kelvin. So to come and like kind of help her, exp- I, 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 had, I, didn't, I don't know the emotions she was feeling, right? So my mother-in-law came in and we brought everyone in. She ended up having the baby. She uh, kept her baby. The power of one. The well, power two. of one. Right, Your mother-in-law right, right. too. <laughs> the power we of two. It. But not only, and, I, and, and I, I'm not saying this to, to, to talk about what we did, but I'm saying I'm, I'm going to talk about what we did so that others can hear this. But, you know, I, I had a car that I wasn't using. So we took it and I filled it up with stuff and we gave her gifts and oh. I gave her the car. And because... You People, gave her the car. I did. That is beautiful. I did. The gifts and, and the, the car. Right <laughs> because I was, you know, I was going to give it to like the kids, cars for moms or something because, you know, I, I, I want to give it away. And, but I gave her the car and I did it because I felt like as pro, to be pro-life means that you're pro the life of everyone. Thank you, Janelle. You, can I just say, <laughs> yeah. you are saying things mm-hmm. that nobody else is saying yeah. and that needs to be out there. And thank mm-hmm. you for giving a voice to this yeah. because pro-life is a culture mm-hmm. of life, which yes. is radically different from the pro-abortion mm-hmm. side. Pro-life mm-hmm. is loving and mm-hmm. seeing all of the people involved, the mom, yes. the dad, the baby in the womb, the babies outside the womb, and mm-hmm. loving and yes. being with that woman as much as she does or doesn't want, not only yes. while she's pregnant, but mm-hmm. long after. And the power right. of someone mm-hmm. to see what a gift it is to be pregnant and you gave that to her and your Mm -hmm. mother-in-law by seeing this was a gift yeah absolutely and the baby is oh my god she's so smart I mean I just think she's gonna be the joy that 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 her mom has been looking for and didn't see in that that. moment but we all know okay now shifting gears a little bit you mentioned healthcare and that abortion isn't healthcare. Correct. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I think there are a lot of people who think it is. I think that is one of the mm-hmm. biggest lies. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, we see in human nature, if a lie is repeated often enough, all mm-hmm. of a sudden it magically becomes truth. Yeah. Abortion is not healthcare. No. When you specifically and intentionally target an innocent human life for destruction. How can anybody call that health care? And what a lie to tell women 
and men. But it that narrative is so rammed down the throats of young women at a young age mm-hmm. that they start to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I love at the beginning how you talked about how you do your research. Mm-hmm. I would so encourage women and men, do your research. Mm-hmm. The intentional targeting of an innocent person's life will never be health care. And it's not health care for the woman. What that does to her psychologically, what that does to her emotionally, and even sometimes what it does to her body physically when she has an abortion, that is not health care for that child. And that is not health care for that precious woman who deserves better, who deserves real health care, who deserves doctors to see both her and her child as two distinct, valuable human beings. Scientifically, we know they are two distinct Mm -hmm. human beings that both deserve care, help, and Mm -hmm. attention. Absolutely. Okay. I love that. Um, I I think highlighting that that's not health care. You know, when I talk to young women, I don't get the impression that they are pro-choice. I don't. You know, I get the impression that they are pro their lives. Well said. You know, that they're just, they're, they're, they're afraid. It's well said. The whole idea of choice, we, we, we never, we, 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 abstinence is a choice, right? right. I mean, so you, but I, I don't get that idea. So, um, so when we talk about healthcare, like be, being able to tell people, no, this is not right. And I love what you said about, you know, that this is not healthcare because when you think about the health of the mom. That's right. The mom matters. After, right. It, that's not health care, right? No. You're not caring for anyone's health. <laughs> that's right. And pro-life. So mm-hmm. often the narrative paints such an inappropriate picture. What mm-hmm. pro-life truly is, is loving and seeing that precious mom yeah. just as much as the child in the womb and all the other family members. Right. And women deserve the truth. Yes. Speaking of truth, let's talk about this heartbeat bill here in Georgia. I love right. our heartbeat you know? <laughs> bill. God bless Governor Kemp and... Ed Sutzler and everybody involved. I thank you. God bless you for being such an advocate and getting this across the finish line because um, I, I, I wept. You know, when 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 I Me found too. out that Roe v. Wade had passed, I was driving in the car, getting ready to go film the God Georgia bless Gang, you. and and I did. I just I, I was like, okay, I don't want to mess up my makeup, but like, <laughs> but it was a cry. But it was a, it was a moment, <laughs> right? And, and and when I talked to you and you said, man, you know, now we get to live in a post Roe world. That's right. Which is the way it should have always been. Yes. You know, um, that was just impactful for me. But let's talk about this heartbeat bill, because I know there's so many misconceptions around it. Um, You know, I I, I often I get tired of people talking about, you know, six weeks is not enough um, because, you know, chemical abortions take place between conception and 11 weeks. Right. And a number of chemical abortions happen right at the six week mark. Um, Yes. I get tired of people saying that the abortion pill is like having a normal period or a normal menstrual cycle. Not true. Not true at all. You know, you're, these girls don't know what they're they're putting their body through. You know, the force of life out of you is, is not the same as something that happens naturally. Right, right. <laughs> so, but can you talk about a little bit about the heartbeat bill, what you love about it the most, and then just some kind of debunk some of these misconceptions around the heartbeat bill that you're hearing? Well... I thank you for this opportunity because mm-hmm. there are certain parts of the heartbeat legislation that mm-hmm. actually are not even getting any quote unquote airtime mm-hmm. because of certain areas where everybody's really focusing. Okay. 
one of the beautiful things about our heartbeat legislation mm-hmm. and and everybody that was involved in crafting that, like Representative Ed Setzler, mm-hmm. is that it is very pro-family, the mm-hmm. entire family. This is beautiful in that it protects human life once there's a detectable heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But it's also beautiful for a few other reasons. One, the personhood of that human in the womb is identified. Mm. We know scientifically that that is a distinct, unique human being who deserves all the same rights and protections as those outside of the womb. And that personhood is recognized in this legislation. Mm. This legislation is so pro-woman and pro-family because there is specific language that says Mm -hmm. the moms can start collecting child support once there's a detectable heartbeat. This is huge. Before this legislation, moms could not collect child support until the child was born. Now, because we are identifying, this legislation is identifying this human being as a person worthy of the same rights and protections, this mom mm-hmm. can claim the child as a tax exemption, exemption, just like she does with her children outside of the womb. Mm-hmm. The child is counted in the population count. The child she can get child support, which is huge. What a help to this mother who yes. can now get child support if she finds herself in that situation mm-hmm. where somehow she's estranged from the father or whatever the situation might be, she can get that child support. So there are so many positive things about this legislation, the personhood and pro-family. Yeah, I didn't know about the tax exemption. Yes. That's Isn't interesting. that significant? Yeah, it is. I what mean, a help. Now you don't, so, so, when, so when the left talks about, you know, the maternal mortality and not having access to health care, you can now have ways of, of, of getting income even before Absolutely. you give birth. That's awesome. Absolutely. Okay, so to wrap this up, I would like to know, going back to when you were in college, I want you to take your mind back to being the young girl in college who was pro-choice. What would you tell her now if you, since that was your personal story, what would you tell her now with all the information you have to, you know, um, let her uh, help her to see the big picture? That is probably one of the most thoughtful questions I've ever been asked. And I've never been asked that, (laughs) um, you know, with tears in my eyes, Mm -hmm. I would say, Suzanne, you love women and you have a compassionate heart to the complex situations women find themselves in, but you are actually not being a part of the solution. You are actually not being for women as you think you are. You are listening to a narrative that's very popular among your peer group. So it seems like truth. And because of your heart of compassion, it's something you can attach yourself to thinking it's compassionate. But if you would really stop and ask women who have had abortions how they feel now, if you would stop and ask women who've chosen life and hear how grateful they are and that no one ever regrets choosing life, if you would actually do your research and take that compassionate heart, which so many women really do have, but it's misplaced and it's a lack of understanding and it's not based on truth. So I would say, Mm -hmm. Suzanne, Mm -hmm. take that compassion 
but combine it with truth instead of with deception. Mm -hmm. And then you will be able to really love women fully and help them live the full lives they deserve, Mm -hmm. free from the tragedy and trauma of abortion. That's awesome. Thank you. I, 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 it's a quick question. That's awesome. You make I know. me cry. You make me cry. <laughs> you know, I mean, because like, you, you think about it, right? Like you learn and then you think back. Right. Um, and you're wondering, man, what, what would I have done back then with all the information I have now? Um, and that's what this was whole, this, my whole monologue in the beginning and everything was about is making sure that we give people 100% of the truth, the whole truth. That's right. Women you know? deserve the truth, not these lies that they're being told. Right. And that's what's so heartbreaking. And I love you'd said something that mm-hmm. just made me think, I love your compassion for these women mm-hmm. because pro-life is cultivating a culture of life. And mm-hmm. it is a compassion and love for these women to spare them and protect them from the tragedy and lie of abortion. Absolutely. Okay. So before any of our guests leave, I'm going to ask a question about a book. What book would you recommend that supports your your stance or your 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 position? But what is a good book around abortion that you would recommend? Oh, my stars. I have so many. <laughs> um, and I'll probably say something and then wish I had also said some some other books. Mm-hmm. Um I will tell you, I'm a big fan of John Enzer, E-N-S is in Sam, O-R. And he has written many compelling books about the life issue. And one of the reasons I appreciate him Mm -hmm. is because he writes from such a posture of love. Mm -hmm. But I would also say... um, Abby Johnson's book, Unplanned, it became a movie. Okay. But I will mm-hmm. tell you what, I I um, don't like to sit still for too long. And, and I share that because <laughs> mm-hmm. my daughter was in middle school, I think it was at the time, middle school or early high school, and I was waiting for her in the parking lot. And someone had given me a copy of Unplanned, mm-hmm. and I literally sat there the entire time just sobbing mm-hmm. my eyes out, reading all the way through it. It is mm-hmm. such a beautiful picture of... A loving, mm-hmm. amazing woman who was doing what she was doing, mm-hmm. thinking she was helping women, mm-hmm. seeing an ultrasound guided abortion, and all of a sudden realized yeah. abortion does not help women. So that's a powerful mm. game changer for most people to read that. And um, Lila Rose has a book out that the name escapes me, but I would say Abby's book, Unplanned, any, um, Lila Rose's book, and anything by John Enzer. Women do face very real complex problems, Mm -hmm. and those problems deserve and people to come alongside of them. But that child is not the problem. It's Mm -hmm. the circumstances surrounding the woman that are very real problems that should never be minimized and deserve our love and attention. But the child is not the problem. The child is the gift Mm -hmm. in the midst of the problems. And those other problems can be fixed. So in closing, I want to say, you know, like Suzanne said, abortion is not compassionate. That's right. What's clear is that abortion is not political either. It's emotional. It's spiritual. And it's so much more. And it's so deep to women. Yes. Providing the information that makes the decision seemingly feel better isn't going to lessen the magnitude of the decision or the or erase the consequences. When we talk about this topic, we gotta tell the whole truth. Yes. We gotta remember 
that it's not about just the health of the baby. It's about the health of the mother. Healthy moms is just as important as healthy babies. We had a great time talking. Remember, disagreement is democracy. Now you go talk about it. Thank you for joining us. and You have a great day. You've been listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Listen each week at thepodcastpark.com or wherever you get your podcasts. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.